Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Bertan Dania. This week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Will Spencer. Will is an entrepreneur, traveler, and storyteller. His path has taken him from Stanford University to the dot-com boom and through 33 countries on six continents. Along the way, his passion for personal growth led him into the exciting world of men's personal development and transformation. Today, he hosts a podcast called The Renaissance of Men, where he conducts extended interviews with thought leaders, both men and women, working towards a great reconciliation of the sexes. Will also hosts weekly online men's groups and offers a 12-week mentorship program where men can make his principles real in their lives. In this episode, Will shares why masculinity is on the rise again. He walks through a brief history of the decline of masculinity and why he believes men are embodying masculinity traits again. Will also explains the difference between masculine and feminine traits and why he believes men cannot have both. We also discuss the transformation men go through to step into their masculinity. While I do not agree with everything Will shares, mainly due to our belief systems, I truly value Will's perspective and I learned a lot from him in this episode. I also enjoyed our conversation because I believe we need to have more of these discussions and I really hope you also enjoy this conversation. Please check out Will on Instagram at Ren of Men, R-E-N-O-F-M-E-N, and also leave a five-star review at the end of this episode. I always appreciate that. Hey, Will, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm really excited for the conversation we're going to have. I've been watching your work for a little while here and really excited to have you on and have this conversation. But before we get started, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and tell the listeners what it is that you do and and what kind of work you're passionate about. Sure. Thank you. Uh, Furkan, right? Is that that the correct way of pronouncing your name? Excellent. Because I haven't gotten the chance to say it. We've talked before, but I haven't gotten the name to chance to say your name before. So uh, thanks for for having me on. Uh, My name is Will Spencer. I host the Renaissance of Men podcast, uh, which has been going for a couple years now just coming up on my 100th episode, which is very exciting. And what I say is I host extended conversations about the rebirth of masculinity, rebirth of virtuous masculinity happening around the world today. So um, in those conversations, we'll talk about this worldwide movement that seems to be growing and that I say has actually been going for about 40 years. Uh, Like I didn't start the Renaissance of Men. It's a thing that I observed and that I I gave it a name. So we talk about issues related to that on the podcast. Uh, I also have a uh, men's mentorship program, a 12-week mentorship program that I'm very, very happy uh, with and very proud of uh, that's affected many men's lives positively. And I also host men's groups and stir up trouble on Twitter and Instagram pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks for sharing all that. And I have noticed that you do like to jump right into things. So why don't we do that here as well? Um, From the get-go, based on everything you've seen and, and what you've observed, what is currently wrong or not, I wouldn't say wrong, but the issue with masculinity we're seeing and why are we going through this renaissance? 
Oh, that's a that is a, a massive question um, with a lot of with a lot of moving pieces to it. So, yeah. you know, it, I, I guess it depends on what level you want to look at it. So we can look at it at the level of say individual men and say what's going on with individual sure. men. We can look at it at the level. We'll just, just and we'll just I'll just pick one or you can pick one and we'll dive into it. We can look at it at the level of society today. We yeah. can look at it at the level of history and culture and politics. Um, and so it just depends on what level of resolution that you want to look at it. Yeah. And, and so go ahead. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, I think on an individual level, I think obviously to your point, culture and society often dictates what men or how men should be. But I think if at an individual level, if you have a good handle on your own masculinity, you can kind of pick and choose and carve your own path. So maybe starting there um, on an individual level. Yeah. So, so I think, um, on an individual level, it's that, um, men as a whole are broken in half. So mm. on one half of the equation, you have, uh, what we might call sort of macho, macho guys, guys right. that are really strong and confident in the world and, and they're able to take really directed action, but they don't have a lot of emotional or spiritual depth. Right. Yeah. And they, su they suppress their feelings. They don't know how to work with their feelings. They don't think their feelings have value. Kind of like no one cares work harder. You know what right. I mean? Like to the point where you, you burn yourself out, whether in your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and you realize there's more to life than, than what I can achieve materially. Right. That's one side of, of masculinity that's missing something on the other side of masculinity is our, our passive men who have right. a lot of emotional depth and sometimes even spiritual depth but they lack the ability to take directive action forward in their lives. They lack fire and they lack passion. And right. so it's that it, it, what that is, what we're looking at is we're looking at one complete man who's been broken in half because mm -hmm. a, a truly integrated man and virtuous man fuses those two halves together. He's able to have emotional and spiritual depth, but also to be very rational and to take directed, directed action and move back and forth to between those two ways of being. And so, to, you know, any man listening to this may find himself on one, one of the one end of that spectrum or the other. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I, th that I think that's what that, and there's a lot of reasons how we got here. Men weren't always this way. This has been an active process to, to shatter men, to break them in half, to right. make them this way. That we're live that we're um, both at the tail end of and the leading edge of the wave to remedy that. But just for right now, that shattering process is what leads to a lot of um, negative ideas about men, particularly from women, because right. they go back and forth between, like for example, like the alpha and the beta. You know what yeah. I mean? Like then there's a lot yeah. of red pill discussion about that. That's actually not two different kinds of men. That's one man who's been broken in half. And so right. if you look across society, you'll see that often yeah possibly yeah every day. for sure and and i think the former resonates for me like you know for mm -hmm. the longest part of my life i was just on this mission to achieve 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 and then at one point i realized mm -hmm. that well there is more to life here you know i i have to be a father now and i have to think about what kind of world and life i want to create for my son and how am i going to show up and those achievements will only get me so far and quite often men do realize it or they realize it and it's too late yeah uh, and and that could be a problem too now 
you did touch on the idea of labels, right? The alpha and the beta, and you hear toxic masculinity and all of that. Like, what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts about these labels being thrown around? And I'll kind of explain where I'm going with this because I feel like a lot of the times these labels are thrown at men to often confuse them as well because then they start questioning themselves in, in how they're showing up and so there is an aspect of confusion, but I also want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, no, that's a great observation. Um, so let's start with, uh, I'll do toxic masculinity real quick. Yeah. So what the word that the way that toxic masculinity is used is to describe those very strong physically and, int- and intellectually, very strong physically and intellectually men mentally, I guess you might say, when they start doing something that a woman doesn't like, that's mm. called toxic masculinity. You know, and and let's 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 just grant the point and say that the man is behaving out of pocket, right? Yeah. That he is being brutish or bullying or whatever. Okay, that's one kind of toxic masculinity that take that's that takes up all the air and space in a room. That's one kind of toxic masculinity. What I say is there's actually another side side of toxic masculinity, which is the weak and passive man who drains all the vitality from the room because he doesn't give of himself out of fear or hesitation. So there's actually two kinds of toxic masculinity that we're, that we're dealing with. And that's sort of an invisible problem. So, so, um, so that creates a, a, a greater picture of true masculinity is through the middle of those two extremes, mm-hmm. right? And it provides a, a way to orient ourselves. So that's part one. So about alpha and beta. Now, uh, those terms are, um, were, were useful to a point, but they've been taken way too far because right. first of all, to call a man alpha, like there's no situation where a man is alpha in all scenarios. You mm. could be completely quote unquote alpha at the office and be beta at, on the basketball court with your bros, not be the best player, but you could be the best salesman or whatever, right? So right. it's like situational, but even then there's a level of resolution that like, look, not every man wants to be William Wallace. It's mm. enough for some men to follow a William Wallace and there's nothing lesser about that position. In fact, if you watch that movie, and there's many examples of this, obviously, I'll just pick this film. You see, William Wallace is the leader of so many capable men. They're mm. all very capable. Now, strictly speaking, you'd call them a beta, but there's right. nothing beta about any of those men. Mm-hmm. So these terms are not only are they so completely misapplied, laden with judgments and shame, right? But they're also kind of irrelevant. Because like any one of those dudes from Braveheart, though he's a beta compared to William Wallace, is still plenty alpha. So what do you call them? Uh, right. Uh, uh, right. And so this is where the red pill, you know, kind of manosphere ideology was useful for a while and has, has kind of, um, in my opinion, reached this expiration date. Right. Right. And <laughs> some of the There's trouble I stir up about that. No, no. There's a lot to unpack here. So to your point, even, it, you know, if you think about it in, in that scenario with William Wallace, if, if he thought those men were betas, I don't think he would trust them with his own well-being, right? Like right. Right. clearly he has enough trust. And I think a lot of men get caught up in this. Well, I want to be the alpha in the room and, and don't want to give up that leadership to another man because they're thinking that, oh, I'm going to be thought of less than. But it's like being on a team, right? Not everyone yes. can be the captain. You're, you're all have, having a role to fulfill and without you, the team won't succeed. And that's how people need to start thinking about it. And I think, again, with this messaging men receive, they 
get caught up in that and forget, lose focus. And I think a lot of the times it impacts their relationships with other men. I see it a lot where you don't see a lot of men having close, tight-knit friendships or or yeah. brotherhoods for that reason because there's that constant competitiveness or or envy happening in those relationships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if there's always concern, you know, if some guy, and I really hope that there aren't guys that are actually like this, that are, you know, have the, am I being alpha enough script running in their head all the time? Like, how is that dude ever going to form friendships? Because either he's got to make sure that he's alpha over all the beta friends that are around him, or he's always got to challenge the guy who's the alpha next to him for dominance. Like, what a great way to keep men divided if they're stuck in this binary prison. Like, is right. it enough for you to lead in the environments that you excel at and follow in the environments that you don't. And can you be comfortable in that position? And right. I'm going to guess that most men actually can because they are, you know, right. like you can. And, and I, I think to add an even greater level of resolution to this, yes, you should lead your home. That's a mm -hmm. place where, un and we can talk about this unquestioned, you should be leading your home. But is that right. like, I'm alpha in my home? Like, come on, bro. Like, you, you know, you don't need to think about it that way. Right. So this, this idea of understanding, you know, the qualities that make a man, a man dominant, I think is important because right. I, I think men need to have some grasp or understanding of what that is so that they can embody it in their home and in the environments that they're called to lead in. But if you're always looking at every other man and you're comparing whether you're the alpha or not, that's an imprisoned, that's literally an imprisoned existence. And, right. and, and I feel for guys who get trapped that way, you know, because you mentioned, we started out talking about what's wrong with men. So many men are underfathered. They have, they're the children of single mothers, right? Or, or they had absent or abusive or, or, or distant right. fathers. And so they look to so many men content creators as a source of authority and father energy. And they have this big, this hole that's waiting to receive a father's love and that never got it. And so the mm -hmm. first thing that they see anything that feels like masculinity, they just plug it into that and they become, you know, this is how they fall into cults of personality really. Right. And there's a, and there's a lot of that. And it's Absolutely. just a response to this father need um, that, I mean, it's, it's good as far as it goes, but when men get stuck in there and many have, it's, it's a real tragedy to see, Absolutely. but I do think that phase is, is kind of coming, coming to an end, hopefully, and, and yeah. but also slowly. Right. Right. And to your point, I think research has shown a lot of those men who lack those connections, whether it's with a father figure or, or whatever, for that matter, those are the guys who typically gravitate towards gangs and cults and yes. all kinds of movements like that. And, and all they're really seeking is that connection. And when they find it, you know, that's what they're really gravitating towards is that connection and having that relationship. Yes. Yes. They're in there. They're looking for a father. They're looking for a community. They're looking for a sense of effectiveness in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they're looking for someone that they regard as a champion. Right. And uh, it's very natural. And, mm -hmm. and, but it's only in this, I guess, father vacuum. Like right. what I say is that, is that the, what we are suffering from is a society wide father hunger, but the men's movement really up until this point for the, at least for the past 10 years, anyway, 
has tried to solve the problem with a bunch of older brothers. Right. Older brother, an older brother can cannot solve father hunger. Yeah. Cannot solve the problem. Absolutely. So we actually need men that are elders to come back and begin offering that energy, which means we have to get past our cults of youth and that's a whole thing. Yeah. 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 And I do want to come back to that father figure piece because I think there's something more deeper there um, that men need to tap into. But I do want to first touch on, you know, the fact that you mentioned the whole red pill movement and not a lot of people have a good grasp of it. So do you mind kind of explaining that if, if you don't mind and, and yeah. uh, sharing why that's become a problem and why it was perhaps effective at one point? Yeah. So the red pill grew out of the pickup era. So a bunch of, um, a bunch of men in Los Angeles in the late nineties, early two thousands, um, discovered a series of conversational techniques essentially called game, which yeah. was really successful and getting girls, you know, potentially you know, maybe low value girls, maybe fast girls, whatever, you know, into one night stands because it, it's a game and to right. win the game, you get the girl into bed. And then yep. what do you do? Nothing, because these men lacked any ability to form long-term relationships or even or even have friendships. Right. But out of that, but these men in the pickup era were filing on websites, uh, uh, message boards, forums, stuff. These things called field reports, where they would lay out this is what I did and this is how you know where they kind of yeah. documented the entire encounter. Out of that body of data, the guys who were on the forums began realizing that there were certain patterns. And the major pattern that they realized is that um, it was a couple things was that what they were told was attractive to women, be sweet, be nice, you know, be loving, be kind, was not what women actually wanted. What mm -hmm. they wanted was men who were dominant and confident and aggressive. Even if the guys were losers behind the scenes, if they could fake being dominant right. and confident and aggressive, they could get laid. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big light going off. It was like, wait a minute, maybe things don't work the way that we've been told. Right. right. And so, and so out of that came this idea that is actually pretty fundamental, pretty basic, which is that men and women are different. And what makes a woman high value in what they call the sexual marketplace is not what makes a man high value in the sexual marketplace. Women are prized for their youth and for their beauty. That's what makes a woman desirable. A man is prized less so for his physical attractiveness and more for his physical dominance and ability to provide. Right. And so what makes a man and women attractive are different and they happen at different times in life. So a woman's right. peak sexual market value is in her early 20s, right? A man's peak sexual market value is somewhere between his late 30s and early 40s. Right. Something right. like or mid forties, that, right? And that's a biological thing too, right? That's, that is a that is a biological thing. Yes. Yeah. Now here's the thing: the red pill, as a from the Matrix, doesn't sh doesn't sh teach you something that isn't already there. It mm -hmm. just helps you see what's already there. That's the power of the metaphor, right? So what the red pill did was just strip away decades of feminist programming that says men and women are the same, they want the same things, and they're they're functionally equal. And the men, like, no, this is not the case. Right. Women are desirable for this reason. Men are desirable for this reason. Oh my gosh. So that's the red pills that men wake up to these realities of the sexual, the sexual marketplace. Now there's no more aspects of this. Now you asked, why is the red pill controversial? The red pill is controversial because what they were essentially discovering is 
biblical truth, God's created design, which mm-hmm. these men then exploited to do these things called spinning plates. Like you just see a right. bunch of girls and you just run game on them. And, you know, because yeah. you're the high value man. And if you don't have any reason to have kids or start a family, just spend plates and sleep with women forever because you're a high value man right. and you can dictate terms, right? It's ultimately very godless and materialistic. And mm-hmm. so that's why the red pill is controversial, not right. just because it offends feminism, but because what the men did with that knowledge was essentially like promiscuity and fornication and, you know, and right. now here we are. Yay. Yeah. And, 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 and to build on that, I think a lot of that was glorified too, right? I remember yeah. even like when I was in my 20s, it was like guys were bragging about how many girls they were sleeping with. And then yeah. it was like, oh, and then it was like a competition. And and then the guy who was sleeping with the most women was glorified. And, and I think that also became more detrimental because a lot of guys who necessarily wouldn't have gone down that path started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, the sad part, um, the sad part about it is that it's all just traced back to the same kind of father hunger. Like why are men going to the nightclubs to get validation from women through sex? Why are they not competing with each other as brothers in, in tribes, you know, or, 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 or groups of groups of friends competing in that way. Right. And, and showing their prowess that way and attract, attracting a good woman. Instead, they're going out and running game and God knows the wreckage that's been, that was created by that, you know, and, 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 you know, I can't even, I can't even speculate about it, but there's a lot of it. And it was, it was very much celebrated. And, you know, a really good example of that is this uh, man named Roosh V. He was a, uh, he was one of the most notorious pickup artists in the world. He would fly around the world and he would release all these guides for, how to get laid in all these cities around the world. And, and he was quite successful at it. He has since repented and become Eastern Orthodox Christian, very devout. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he pulled all of his books from Amazon. I think he burned the remainders and no longer gets any money, you know, from anything that he created and he's repented fully. And he talks about how empty and dead that life was for him, right. despite all the money he was making. Right. And I think yeah. that's a, I think that's an incrimination of all the men who practice that lifestyle. Right. Absolutely. And and that kind of leads us to that whole concept then, like why are men struggling with that whole absence of that father figure? And to me, I think part of it has to do with not believing in something bigger than themselves, not having that greater power or purpose in their life. That's what I feel, but yeah. I, I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, it's, I mean, this is, this is a hugely complicated question that involves culture and politics and history. So, you know, on a, on a, on a root, on a root level, like, yes, it is ultimately, um, you know, the, the modern, uh, destruction of God, the father, this, any notion of there being, you know, that, 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 of a father, God, you know, that, that at the highest level of ultimate reality, exactly. the, 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 the supreme being reveals himself as father that right. was taken out of American culture world culture, I mean, progressively over the past 250 years. Yeah. But why are we lacking human fathers? And that's been a multi-step process that I think has gone back to the industrial revolution. So at the beginning of the industrial revolution, I'll run through it really quickly. Yeah. At the yeah. beginning of the, at the, industri- in, the, in the industrial revolution, men who used to work on homesteads and farms and as what we might call small business owners, but their families were taken out of those environments and forced to work in factories. They were taken out of the home. 
right? So that breaks the father-son bond. And then you have World War I, 10 million soldiers died around the world. Then you have the Great Depression, and then you have World War II, 25 million soldiers died, right? And so then you go swinging into the 50s and the 60s. In the 50s, all the groundwork for the sexual revolution was laid, no pun intended, with Playboy and Kinsey and all of that. It just right. was seed at the ground. So that in the 1960s, you interject the hippies and the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and this explosion of sexual energy just because, you know, bursts out all right. over all over the world, sexual liberation and the pill. So now sex is consequence, consequence free, right? Mm-hmm. So women can have sex. So now you have this huge supply of sex and sexuality and all the fathers that would have prevented that are dead on the beaches of Normandy or in Europe or whatever. And there's no fathers to hold that back. And right. so then you have the baby boomer generation that spends the sixties and the seventies indulging in, in pleasure. And then they have kids like in the seventies and the eighties. And then before we have a chance to really regroup and, and bring fathers back in, you have the mass media just slamming into culture all throughout the eighties. You have Rambo and you have like all those eighties hair bands and greed is good distorting everyone's minds through culture and then in the in the 90s 2000s and 2010s you have the progressive dismantling of the presence of fatherhood in politics and then further into into culture where you start getting into transgenderism transgenderism and stuff like that now every step of that way feeds into the next one it's a very well executed plan and it's almost successful Too bad, suckers, you know, because men are coming back because there is a renaissance of men, which is everything that I talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like a lot of that programming, to your point, has been very deliberately and carefully planned? Do you feel like a lot of it's still happening? And and I'm referring to dating apps as well. And and a lot of the, the issues that farmers are facing too across the world, same thing to to your point, like the fathers are being removed from the homes. You feel like that's still happening, and and I can obviously see your point that the men are coming back, but there's still a long ways to go and an uphill battle here, right? Yes, uh, but this plan has been in motion. I mean, since since essentially the French Revolution. I mean, which is like the yeah. seventeen, so two hundred and fifty years. Yeah. The amazing thing, and because I, I can go further back the Industrial Revolution, but we'll just you know we'll we'll just we'll leave the history lesson behind. So the thing is, is that, is that we are on the leading edge of this war on masculinity, but a man can turn his life around 180 degrees in six months to a year. It's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. You take, you can take the, the most passive, insecure and weak guy and you take him into the gym and you give him a barbell and you shepherd him and mentor him through that experience and get him started within a year, especially if he's younger, like if he's in his young 20s, you know, within a year, he can be a completely different guy. All that plan gone in an instant. How much money can you make online, you know, in two years with with dedication if you really put your mind to it and create, especially if you go in week and then you document your fitness journey over the course of a year to start a YouTube channel. I mean, like all of these things, they seem very dire and they are because all the levers of the institutions of power are now, which, which humanity built to serve us. We built the institutions of law, science, medicine, government to serve humanity. 
And all those institutions through the long march, of the institutions have now been co-opted and are now using to, to, um, to prey on people, you know, to, to, to tyrannize them. And that's really happening. And that's a real thing, right? Right. But ultimately the institutions are powerless over your ability to recreate yourself. And they're powerless in the face of an embodied man there. And especially and this is the thing about the Renaissance of men that I like the most is that it's not led by one guy. The mm -hmm. Renaissance of men is not about me, right? It is about thousands, millions of men all over the world being reborn, redeeming masculinity. And you can't stop all of us, right? It's not about one guy. It's not, a, it's not about Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan. All those guys are part of it in the same way that the Italian Renaissance in the 1500s was not just about Michelangelo and not just about da Vinci and not just about Brunelleschi and all the Atisha and all these artists. It was all these men pursuing beauty and excellence completely independently from each other, inspiring each other forward. That's why I call this the Renaissance of Men is that it's not about one guy. It's about all of us and we cannot all be stopped. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, that's powerful. I agree with you 100%. And, and that's the thing as well, right? We can't lose focus of what's in our control. Yes. And, and what we can do on an individual level and not worrying about what everyone else is doing. If we can focus on ourselves, there's so much power and there's so much we can do individually. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the amount of things that are within our control on, an, on a daily basis, okay, when you turn off social media, like I use an app called freedom.2 and I think that's the URL. And what it does is it blocks social media all of it on my phone for as long as I wanted to all day. If I wanted on yeah. my Mac, I use a program called self-control. It blocks everything. I can't even, you can't even remove these blocks. You can't uninstall the application. They're just there. And when I turn right. off social media, it's like, Oh wow, look, there's like birds on the trees and there's sunshine outside and like all the crazy stuff that's happening. Like, I don't know. I think I'm going to write something cool today and make myself, uh, you know, some steak and eggs and, and I'm going to work out and I'm going to be at peace and control the things in my life that are outside of, that are within my control. Because I think social media has the effect, if this may have been its intention, but it definitely has the effect to flood our psyches mm -hmm. full of things that seem to demand our ability to control, but we can't control. And it gives this feeling of dread. Like, I can't control this. I can't control this. I can't control this. It's like, and it distracts us from the things in our lives that we can control. Right, right. And it's to flood us with like the information, right? The algorithms are, are built that way to continuously keep us in that loop. Yeah. So, yeah, I yep. agree with you. Um, so to kind of take a different direction, and we chatted about this previously, but wanted to get your take on this whole idea of people talking about embracing our femininity as men. <laughs> no. Explain. Sorry, please. sorry. I didn't mean to let you. I'll let you no, 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 no. That's it. I just wanted you to uh, build on that. Right. Okay. So I spent a lot of time in the inner healing world where this okay. idea is a thing that men need to embrace their feminine side. And um, I, I, to that, I say, as you heard me say, I say, no, we're men. We don't have a feminine side. And there's two reasons that I say that. First, the feminine side, quote unquote, is usually meant to describe emotions, feelings, mm -hmm. intuitions. Okay. Um, why is it that those are inherently feminine? Mm -hmm. And if those are inherently feminine, like 
is, do women have to get in touch? Do, do women get to own, do, we, do men get to own the strength that women have? Or is that a feminine strength, right? Right. right. So, so this idea that things get kind of blended, that all oh, my feelings are my feminine side, what it actually does is it gives every bit of feeling over to the feminine side that says men have no feeling. Now that's yeah. not true because right. you can look all the way back through history. And I do a series called Poetry for Men on my podcast where I, I read and, and interpret a poem. I read and analyze a poem. And you and through doing that, I've learned, and you can do this through whatever your favorite art form is, whether it be music or theater or, or um, sculpture, whatever, poetry, song, men feel very deeply. And if you had told these impassioned poets, like, oh, you're just getting in touch with your feminine side, they would say, no, I feel as a man. I emote as a man. I relate to my feelings like a man because men and women relate to their feelings differently. Women, they have they, their feelings are the primary way in which they meet reality. That's right. why we love them, that they're yep. in touch with a deeper source. For men, our feelings have to be buttoned up at a moment's notice. You can be having, as a man, the most intense feeling experience ever at a romantic dinner at a restaurant, you know, with your girlfriend. Right. And the second, you know, the second someone says, everybody be cool, this is a robbery. Your feelings go away in an instant and you're on. Women right. do not relate to their feelings that way. They, mm -hmm. I don't think that they can. Men have to. It doesn't matter. And so just at the very base level, the way that we relate to our feelings is different. The way that our feelings as men inform our approach to reality, but don't guide it is different. And so this is why I say that like, this is not our feminine side. This is masculine emotions. This is right. masculine feeling as a man and it doesn't belong. It doesn't belong to women. Right. Women have their own strength. Women have their own feelings. Men have our strength. Men have our feelings. And we, and we meet, we meet in the middle gloriously rather than just like exchanging pieces of ourselves. Right. right. And, and you need both, right? It's the yin and yang to balance each other out. And, and to your point, yeah. uh, from a decision-making perspective, you can't always have emotions involved when you're looking to make a decision. You almost have to approach it from a rational and logical perspective. Yeah. I, I think, I think your emotions should get a seat at the table. Right. I think they have to, um, because to, there are, based on the situation where as a man, where your emotions, the, the seat at the, the, the table that your emotions get changes, mm -hmm. right? Some situations, the, your emotions has got to have a real small seat at the table. Some situations, the, the emotion maybe gets a bigger seat, but right. for a man, emotions never get a seat at the head of the table. Right. You know, you should like, I'm going to make this decision with my emotions. Like, is it like, <laughs> I, I think any man who's probably followed through on that probably ended up regretting that decision. Right? Yeah. Well, it's like then, a perfect example is when you make a decision when you're angry, right? And you look back uh, and you're like, oh, that was the worst yeah. decision I made, right? Yes, yes. And and when you make a decision when you're, quote, in love, right? And, and so um, this, is, this is one of the things that I've been talking about lately is that I think we all know how important it is to choose a good partner as men right now. And one of the things that sex does is it blinds us to the other person for a good three months. Right. Right. We can, we lose the ability to critically evaluate the other person and we get three months into it and then we have a big fight and maybe we make it through the fight. Maybe we don't, but, and you know, maybe a breakup happens and then we're in, we're in agony for, for weeks or months. Right. And it's this whole cycle. 
because, you know, we've gotten our hormones and our emotions all mixed up and lost the ability to see, is this person, is this woman actually good for me? Is mm-hmm. she going to aid me on my journey? Does she, you know, want the same things or do right. we just have good kicks together? And, and many men, many men get caught. I mean, I've been caught in that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Many yeah. times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think why you I speak out against it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, it's, uh, the same applies to women, right? And in fact, the, the yeah. release of oxytocin is a lot more profound in women uh, after sex. So, so a lot of the yeah. time, you have to, again, be mindful of why are you being with this person. So, so that's an yeah. important distinction. Um, yeah. So the other piece I wanted to touch on, and I you mentioned briefly that you know a lot of transformation can happen within six to eighteen months for a man, especially going with the to a gym. Um, yeah. And I can see truth. It starts to that. there. Yeah, it starts there. I think the biggest piece, and and I'm speaking out of personal experience, not only for myself but other men I've seen or worked with, a lot of it is on a deeper level from a spiritual side. And I know you talked touched on that briefly too. What are your thoughts on that? And and again, we we've talked about it on and off a little bit, but I think part of the problem. I see is that lack of spirituality or having that connection uh, within yourself and to, to a larger extent with the, with a community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're as a theo- as a man, your theology, which every man has, whether he admits it or not, whether he's aware of it or not, your theology has a profound influence on your life, if only subconsciously. So what are the options available for men to worship right now? So if you're an atheist, you probably worship science. Like I get my all my answers from science one way or another. Right. If, um, if you're in the New Age world, uh, the god of the New Age world is essentially a woman. And yeah. I, can, I spent many years in the New Age world, and I can prove that. I won't do that right now, but I can absolutely prove that. So you're worshiping science, right? Or you're worshiping a woman. Yeah. Right. And, um, or if you're like in the Buddhist in the Buddhist world, you don't really worship anything, but you know, your highest goal is to negate yourself and not exist anymore. You know, like, I don't know that, I don't think that that's a way to live. Like, well, ultimately I want to be done with living. It's like, that's no, that's no way to deeply engage with life. And I've done Buddhist meditation retreats in Kashmir. So like, I, I know what I'm talking about here. That is what part of my story is, is world travel and exploring many different world faiths. Mm-hmm. including uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and, you know, uh, 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 tribal religions in South America. So I, I know what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, if you want to become a masculine man, you have to worship a masculine God because you can't mm-hmm. become a masculine man worshiping science because science can't actually tell you how to be a man because science is just evolution and evolution changes. And what if we're all evolving into, you know, transgender androids right now, right? right? Like that seems to be the case. If you believe the science people, that seems to be what they're saying. So, right. and if you're in the new age and you kind of, um, and you worship a woman, the divine feminine, that's not, the divine feminine is not going to teach you how to be a man, right? Uh, and how to lead women. Like that's not what the divine feminine wants. So you have to find a God that, that demonstrates to you how to be a masculine man. Now, what does that mean? That's the big question. And this is why I became Christian and why I'm a very enthusiastic evangelical Christian now, because I think Jesus Christ is the highest example of how to be a man. And I think that bears out all through the New Testament over and over again, and is um, culminated 
in his self-sacrifice on the cross to say that the highest use of personal power, once you've acquired it, is in self-sacrifice for the good of people around you for, mm. for to, in a way that they can't do. I right. think that's the highest is not to not to dominate over everyone, which he could have done. He was tempted by Satan, right? Those three temptations to have domination over everyone. And he said, no, I submit myself to the will of God and I sacrifice myself because that's what's that's what's asked of me for the good of all. I think that is such a profoundly beautiful masculine image in 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 climax and and throughout his ministry, you can see him being tender. You can see him being fierce. You can see him being frustrated. You can see him being tempted. You can see him being all the different aspects of a man really, really fleshed out in a way that called people higher and didn't right. put them down, right? It put down the Pharisees. It put down the corrupt, right, over and over again. And it challenged all these authority structures, right? But it didn't, it didn't walk around saying, I'm alpha, <laughs> for example, right? right? right. And yeah. quite the opposite. So I, I find the highest example of masculinity in Christ, um, Full stop. Right, right. And, but again, to your point, it's, it's having that connection to something bigger than yourself. And, and in your example, it's, it's having that connection to God because that orients your life in it. And it's, it's, it's the other pieces, you know, I think part of the problem is, as you alluded to earlier, there, people are chasing different principles to use to orient their lives. And, and a lot of that yeah. creates anxiety because there's so much confusion. You don't know which one to pick one on one day and another one on another day. Huh, yeah. Having that one uniting principle gives you proper direction in life. Yeah. And, and a man, a man without a consciously cultivated spiritual life is missing. Some of the best parts is missing meaning, right? Right. You, like, why, why am I here? Why are we here? What's yep. the meaning of life and of my life? I mean, you can't get that from just looking at matter. You have to get that from spirit. You have right. to get that from looking at a higher story that seeks to answer these questions. And you have to get it in a way that animates you towards righteous living daily to encounter the struggles of life over and over and over again and give your full self to them. Right. If you don't have a theology that gives that to you, like why go on fighting just because I, because I choose to, well, you know, we're not, we're not Neo in the matrix. Yeah, that's sure. a really cool line. Why do you keep fighting Mr. Anderson? Because I choose to. It's like, yeah, cool. You're a movie character though. Most of us are not a movie character having a climactic battle in the matrix. Right? Right. Most of us are dealing with, the everyday mon mundanities, mundanities of life, you know, right. changing diapers, right? Getting up at 530 in the morning so we get an hour to ourselves to read or work out or petty bosses or whatever. Like why right. to keep on going? Because God commands me to, to serve my people, to serve, to serve everyone around me in a, in a spirit of love and to continue working to bring forth his kingdom. That's why. <laughs> Right. right. And the reward is in the work. And so, right. so as long as your theology supports you in that, you know, yeah, that's the most 100%. important thing for sure. For sure. And, uh, and, and to your point, otherwise you're also just chasing instant gratification, right? You're not holding Easily. yourself accountable. Um, you, you're, you're just like, oh yeah, I can just do this and do that. And there's no meaning. And I mean, I've lived that life and yeah, it was a blur. <laughs> There's no purpose. 
Yeah. Yeah. You can chase, I mean, you can chase pleasure endlessly, right? You can, you can, you know, you can watch all the, all the movies on Netflix and look at all the porn and play all the video games and eat all the food and, and, you know, cool, enjoy that. And then you'll get to like 50 or 60 years old and you'll start wondering what was it all for? It's like, right. And you know, if you ask the wrong people, they'll be like, nothing. Yeah. Like, well, that's not satisfying. I don't think there are a lot of people who are a lot of men who are in, who are, who are at the end of their lives, you know, the last, the last months or days of their lives. And are like, yeah, it's all about nothing, bro. Don't think yeah. the men say that. Yeah. When, or, or they're afraid of the end. Right. And you see yeah. that a lot. Too. You see that a lot. And that's kind of been my biggest realization is when I see people at peace as they age, it's like, okay, they know what they were doing. They were living a life with purpose. Whereas yeah. people that are afraid of aging or, or they're constantly avoiding it, it's like, okay, there's something you're scared about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and perhaps rightfully so. I mean, regrettably, but you know, they're, they're being forced with the questions as men and women too. But since we're talking about men, they're being forced with the questions that they denied. And we started the conversation talking about what's wrong with men, right? And I mentioned that there's the two kinds of men broken in half. Now there's a lot of virtue and a lot of value in being a strong and confident and directed man who's motivated to achieve in the world. Fantastic. But there is a point where that runs out Yep. at some point. It's different for different men, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be retirement, excuse me, illness, some lack, you know, some lack of capacity, very old age when you can no longer, and, and every man will, well, every man will get there. And there's this lie. Okay. The wall is a real thing for women, you know, like that past the point where, where they can safely have children is essentially what that is. Right. And, and when their bodies and their, their faces and their physiques begin to, begin to change, like mid thirties is roughly when that is, there's a wall for men too. Mm -hmm. Right. As if men don't age, right. as if a man doesn't reach 65, seven, right. like 75, you know, is way outside, but like, and start to experience himself not being able to compete mm -hmm. with 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. So you got a wall too, bro. And when you right. hit the wall, you're going to have to look at your life on the other side of that and praise God. If you live that long, what are you going to do then? Cause your right. life, you're not going to have some different life. It's all the same life. Mm -hmm. Is everything that you're doing right now in your life leading up until that point in a way that when you cross that boundary, it will have been worth it. It will set you up to be a man at peace in your old age is what you're doing now feeding to that because it can. And I can tell you that when you get there, you'll probably much happy. You'll probably be much happier to be at peace with your decisions then. Right. Then you, yep. then you can evaluate right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's always thinking about what kind of relationship you have with your future self. Yes. And that's how well I said. look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Will, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on here. And I feel like we could keep talking, but we also have to easily. <laughs> yeah. But I've learned so much too. So, you know, I really, really appreciate that. I'm super grateful for people that want to uh, get a hold of you, find you online or social media. What are some ways they can do that? You can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rent of Men. Uh, you can go. You can find my podcast by going to Linktree slash Rent of Men. And if you're interested in my 12 week Rens, uh, men's mentorship, where I make a lot of the, these values and thoughts and ideas real in your life, 
you can go to renofmen.com slash mentorship and read more and see testimonials there. Awesome. Thank you very much. I'll put all that in the show notes. And yeah, thanks again for doing this. Thank you for Khan. This has been great. Thank you for checking out this episode with Will. As always, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review or a comment in the comment section. I always love hearing from you. Until next week.